the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Abernethy and Hagerman, LLC. Welcome to Bisberg. I'm your host, Gary Dixon, and today our guest is Jay Hagerman. Jay, we've been together many times. As a matter of fact, I believe this is our 15th show together. Wow. And uh, welcome back to Bisberg. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gary. For those that may not have heard any of those previous 14 programs that we've done together, I'd like uh, you to give our audience a little thumbnail about who you are and about uh, Abernethy and Hagerman, and then we'll move on from there. Yeah, sure. So uh, what we do at Abernethy and Hagerman is uh, we do estates, trusts, and elder law. Um, so we're kind of a boutique shop, and we're located in the North Hills of Allegheny County, but we uh, handle clients all across western Pennsylvania. And as I said, we really focus on you know the estates, the trusts, elder law. Um, and that that type of um, aging process and, and those those type of um, legal a- a- issues. I'm going to ask the obvious uh, questions as I'm uh, not not the attorney about elder law. I mean that's a big broad I guess area, and there's there are some specifics about what that really is. Can we get that uh, cleared yeah. up for for a dummy like me first? What is elder law <laughs> right. exactly? Well, it's also a newer term in the legal field, too. Um, typically, back in the day, you'd have your community uh, um, you know, lawyer just like you would have your community doctor where the you know, general practitioner would go in and fix everything. And you know, back in the day, the, the lawyer that was handling a divorce in the morning was writing your will in the afternoon and then getting someone out of a DUI at night. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the – that's not how it works anymore. Okay. Uh, the areas are very specialized. And what elder law really focuses on, and which is different than just writing a, a will or a power of attorney, what elder law really focuses on is throughout the aging process, um, there are some some issues that pop up that are specific to certain government benefits and also dealing with, you know, God forbid, if someone has to go to a nursing facility, um, dealing with that type of stuff or if there's a significant cognitive impairment. Uh, there's a process called guardianship in Pennsylvania that deals with that if someone does not have a power of attorney. So the laws have gotten more complicated as society progresses into time, and I think that's kind of you know uh, axiomatical, to be frank. Mm-hmm. The area has just expanded because of, uh, frankly, Western Pennsylvania's aging population. So elder law is your primary focus. And I know before uh, the program today, you mentioned to me we're going to talk about common uh, the common uh, mistakes for elder, in elder law and Medicaid as well. And so before we actually get into those, you just kind of explain for us what elder law is. Can you explain what a uh, little bit about Medicaid to us? Yeah. I mean, a Medicaid is a, is a federal benefit that is administered by the states. Most, most people sometimes confuse Medicaid with Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, that The people think, oh, I'm, I'm qualified for Medicaid. Well, the answer is mo- more often than not, you're not qualified for Medicaid immediately. Medicaid generally has two types of qualifications, and they have to both check the boxes off in order for someone to receive that benefit. And uh, it's an economic analysis, and it's a it's a medical analysis based on someone's prognosis or diagnosis or or, or, or you know what's going on in their medical uh, situation at the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> we let the doctors handle the medical aspect of that, but we handle the economic analysis, and um, basically um, we we try to protect you know, taxpayer money for the the individual who is facing a long-term care crisis. 
that's with Medicaid. And and one other point there, you, you mentioned the government benefits. Let's talk for a moment about that because not everybody is on the same page when it comes to cover sure. when it comes to government benefits some some think maybe that's not a good thing or we shouldn't be taking those yeah I, I've had this conversation with many many folks and and I'm I'm generally a, a conservative mentality in, in my demeanor as well um, but the, the issue is that the fact that you know let me give you a, an analogy there the story of two brothers essentially you know one brother um, grows up and, and he generally doesn't save any money he spends it on everything lives paycheck to paycheck and if this brother, God forbid, gets sick and has to go to a facility and uh, doesn't have a dime to his name, the government and the taxpayer will pay dollar for dollar up to eleven to twelve thousand dollars a month for long-term care for this brother. He qualifies immediately. Now let's talk a look at look at uh, the other brother. The other brother uh, goes to work every day, saves his money, um, you know, creates a a you know, maybe has an IRA, four hundred one k, all that fun stuff. The stuff that you know the financial people tell you you're supposed to do. Same ailment happens. Something something medically happens, and this this brother has to go to a long term care facility. What happens is the government is going to make him spend every dime of his hard earned money in order to qualify for the benefit, which basically he'll spend himself into the same exact position as the, mm. the poor the, – the brother that didn't uh, act responsibly, frankly, with – you know, we talk about stewardship in the Bible. Right. Well, this, this is a you – know, the first brother was a bad steward of his money, but it was immediately qualified for a taxpayer benefit, whereas the second brother was a good steward of his money and, and basically has to impoverish himself in order to qualify. What, what we do at our law firm whenever we're faced with a long-term care crisis is we generally, you know, we, we generally see the people that, that are in the second brother's position and they don't want to lose their hard-earned money uh, and their family money or even inheritance to their, their children or grandchildren to the, the facility. What we typically do is we have the strategies and, and frankly, these people are also paying years and years mm-hmm. into you know, their taxes dutifully right. into this program. So it's about time that they recognize some benefit. So so generally, I've had the conversation with a bunch of my my colleagues and my friends about the, the morality, if you will, of this, this, of government benefits and taking Medicaid. But that, that story should pretty much describe what we're, what we're trying to do and why, at least from a moral perspective, I don't have a problem with an individual seeking Medicaid. Okay, good point to, to bring out as well. So Common elder law and Medicaid mistakes. I know you got a list of them yeah. that we could talk for <laughs> ever. We're probably going to have to break this up into a, at least a couple of programs. Yeah. Let's just begin. Where do you want to start? Well, I mean, I think that the the, the first one is is pretty easy to to check off the box, and that is basically failing to acknowledge one's. I guess mortality or mm-hmm. or their their possibility of becoming sicker or 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 ill. I mean, the statistic is that seventy percent of folks in the United States at one point or another will enter a facility, whether it's for rehab, as far as they they have have aged and they've fallen and they have to you know rehab a, a hip or they just are not you know walking terribly great as they used to, or there's some other issue mm-hmm. uh, that causes. You know the folks to go to a rehab center just for a, a small stint. Seventy percent of folks will do that. Will, will go. Um, there are other folks that will have an issue, a medical issue, that will cause them to permanently reside in a long-term care facility just due to the nature of the need for care, or it's unsafe for them to go home. And you know, as Western Pennsylvania ages, uh, this is going to become more and more of a reality for a lot of our listeners, whether it's themselves or you know, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. 
or or even if any other family member. Well, yeah, we're anticipating it because it seems like they're building a new uh, assisted living or a long term care facility around every like on every block around here. Yeah, I live in the North Hills, and there's I mean, you can't you can't drive up McKnight Road or Route mm-hmm. Eight without seeing a new new facility mm-hmm. every other every other way. So they're anticipating that. So planning or failing to plan basically is is a biggie. Yeah, and the reason why is this. Um, and this is going to get a little bit into the weeds, but I'm just going to, you know, kind of dive into the surface here. Mm-hmm. In any in any long-term care situation, once again, I talked about there's an economic qualification for that. And I'm not going to go super in-depth on that. But, you know, basically, you have to be poor, at least on paper, in order to qualify uh, based on an asset and an income analysis. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit complicated, but that's kind of why I have a job. Right. Long story short, uh, you can't, however, under the federal rules and state rules, you cannot just give your money away in order to divest all of your assets to make yourself intentionally poor, so the taxpayer picks up your your nursing home bill. Right, they'll get they'll get you on that. Exactly. One. There's a five year look back period for for um, divesting assets or gifting assets is the common phrase, and there's a basically a penalty period, which is, means the government just won't pay uh, if you've given certain you know certain assets away mm-hmm. uh, in that in that period. And there's a calculation once again that I'm is complicated depending on the amount. But long story short, you just can't give it all away and then the government pays. It's not how it works so that's that's a pretty big pothole there or or a misconception is you know i'll just you know i'll just give it all to my my kids i'll put my kid's name on the house and, and mm-hmm. it's out of my name and i don't have to worry about it another misconception is i'll put it into a revocable trust once again there's a bunch of different types of trusts out there but a revocable trust does you no favors and frankly it's to your detriment to have your for medicaid purposes to have your your house in a revocable trust or any other assets for that matter but but long story short you know, no one has a crystal ball, right? And we also don't know what's going to medically happen. And, and you know, we just live every day by faith. And, and if something does happen, we we have to address it. But the, the more responsible thing to do is if we if we are aging, if we have, you know, seen some, some of these things happen, or even if we have a loved one who doesn't seem maybe as – as sharp or capable or, or, or as they didn't, they don't look as good this Christmas or, you know, mm-hmm. or this holiday as they did last year. Why not sit down and have a free consult and just try to plan? I don't think that anything has ever gone awry by more planning. Um, <laughs> no. y- you know, that's typically the opposite is the issue, right? Right. It is. So, you know, planning important, but uh, there are some people maybe that think that, Maybe they're, you know, five years from retirement or two years or almost there and they haven't really done any real planning sitting down with somebody like yourself. Is it too late uh, for them? Oh, absolutely not. And, and frankly, most of the folks that I talk to say, I don't want to, I don't want to have this conversation until I retire. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all fine and good and, and also responsible. But in, in fact, patterns change as we age. Also, knowing what you don't know. I mean, half of my job, honestly, when I sit down with a family, because every fact pattern is different, is, is really educating them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the folks say afterward, well, how come everyone doesn't do this? Well, it's because everyone just doesn't know. Yeah. And honestly, if I could stand on top of a mountain and, 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 and you, know, s- you know, scream and say, hey, you, if you folks need to learn this stuff and just know how the rules work, I would love to do that. And that's kind of why I'm on the, the radio now is to just try to get to the most amount of people as possible and, and just educate them on saying, listen, there, there are rules that work a certain way. Most people don't know them because they don't have to. But um, it, it, let's let's think about it a little bit. You've worked your whole life, saved up a bunch of money. Hopefully, you have a nice nice retirement in play, and and um, 
you know, once again, we don't do finances. We don't do anything like that. So I can't grow your money, I, but I can protect it mm-hmm. <laughs> using legal legal avenues, right? Right. You can protect the money. Now, you right. mentioned uh, earlier talking about, you know, giving away assets. You can't I, – I would assume that a lot of people at least have heard of the fact that you can't just – give away the assets right, you know, right before you go in the nursing home and you'll be fine. And, uh, you know, the government is not going to come after you because uh, all of those benefits, I guess, in in a way, are really just a loan from the government. Even if you get them, they're going to try their best to get their money. Right. Either either in life or after death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're going to get theirs. But giving away assets, it does have some, I guess, severe consequences if you don't handle all of that correctly. Let's talk again about that. Right. So as I said, there's there's a basically if you go knocking on Medicaid's door, if you're if you or a loved one is in a facility, if someone is going knocking on Medicaid's door, the, on the application itself, there's a question that basically says, have you transferred any assets within the past 60 months, five years? Um, and obviously the applicant is signing this under penalty of perjury, so we don't want to commit a felony and lie, right? Right. Um, so of course you just have to, and it's not the end of the world if you've given a thousand dollar wedding gift or a thousand dollar Christmas gift to a loved one. Not the end of the world. It just figures into our calculation. You know, once again, there's, there's a calculation that's involved and every family is different. Every, every issue is different with that. And, and the calculation is complicated, and it changes every year based on inflation. But once again, uh, it's, it's just all about sitting down and knowing that it's not the end of the world if you do give stuff away. And, and a lot of our strategies, when we sit down with folks that are faced with a crisis, involve intentional gifting mm-hmm. um, based on the rules. Because if it's gifted to somebody else, it's protected from the facility. But we also have to recognize the consequences to that. So a lot of our strategies involved um, some intentional gifting. Uh, to protect the assets, but then, you know, and also using the remaining assets to to deal with any uh, consequences of that gift. And, and it's really a lot of math, <laughs> yeah. but which is why I'm not going into specific numbers well, on the it's air. It's not but, something we want to try on our own without somebody's right. help like yourself, uh, who knows uh, the way around that. And we're not talking about cheating or right. cheating the government or, or the taxpayers, but there is a certain definite process about it. Yep. And the layman is just not going to know the safe ways, the correct ways, the legal ways to handle all that without a potential serious penalty. Right. And, and then that kind of goes into the next big, you know, pitfall that I've seen and, and, you know, it's going to kind of be like a little pet peeve for me. And that is, um, and it kind of goes along with getting your own representation. But when I, you know, when I deal with families that have a loved one in the facility and they're kind of in this crisis mode because they're paying eleven to $12,000 a month for skilled care or nursing care, um, and that money gets eaten up quickly. As you can imagine, then they're saying, Jay, you got to stop the bleeding. What are we doing here? You know, this is 12000 a month. That's a lot. And I said, I absolutely understand. Um, well, what, you know, what advice were you given? They said, well, the social worker at the facility said just to keep spending the money. Well, mm. that's all fun and good. And, and I'm not taking anything away from the, the folks that, that, that do the economics at the facilities. But I will just tell every listener this. The facilities are not your advocate. And attorneys, I mean, as much as we get a bad rap, if we're, you know, everyone seems to not like their, you know, the other person's attorney, but they like theirs, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, that's the, that's by design is because yeah. your attorney is your advocate. It's your family's advocate. Our job is to, to, to really stand in the way between you and anything else. The folks at the facilities do a fine job, but once again, the facility's in the business to also make money. I mean, they're, they're for profit, generally for profit corporations. So, which is all fine and good. 
But I mean, they're not your advocate. You don't have an independent analysis. And um, frankly, if you know, you, if a family is shelling out eleven to twelve thousand dollars a month in a private pay situation, rather than having someone on Medicaid, the um, the facility is going to make more money just because of the the, mm-hmm. the rates. And it's always good to have an independent advocate. And while a lot of times the facilities give you most of the truth, they don't give you the whole entire picture. And a lot of them can't because they don't have – they're not lawyers. Right. So they, they can't give you legal advice, at least not ethically, um, because that would be improper. That, that's, the, that's the whole situation. When a lot of folks come into my office, they really thank me because, I mean, I, I say, listen, we're your advocate. Well, all I care about is you and your family, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to give you the whole picture here. And, and unfortunately, it's like a, you know, um, an Ennio Marconi, uh, good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. you have to hear it all. Well, the care facility is, at the bottom line, a business. Yep, and absolutely. They're, they're looking to make money. They have to for their shareholders, et cetera. Uh, if you just joined us, you're listening to Bisberg. I'm Gary Dixon. Our guest is Jay Hagerman with Abernethy and Hagerman, LLC. Uh, now, here's the website. And I'll give a phone number as well if you'd like to make contact with them. Website is a-h.law. That's a-h.law. Phone number 412-486-6624. Now, the government has done some things, right? Congress has done some things to... Yeah to add some safety nets or whatever to this. Let's talk about that. Yeah, there's always exceptions to rules, right, uh, at least in law. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what, what, there are some exemptions as far as, as transferring assets, uh, you know, if we're going down the line. So if, mom, if a loved one, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, have to go to a facility, um, you know, one of the biggest questions we always deal with is the real property, the house, right? What do we do with the house? Right. Uh, the reason why is because it's you know generally either that or an IRA or a four hundred one are the largest assets for most of our clients. The house is also uh, something that has that, that costs money, right? You have mm-hmm. property taxes and carrying costs like mm-hmm. utilities. So the question is, if you know mom or dad is in a facility and their income is assigned to the facility every month, who's paying for the the taxes and the carrying costs? Right. Well, one of the questions that I get all the time is, uh, can we just give the house to? Uh, one of the kids. And there are some exemptions where that makes sense. So for instance, there's a caregiver exception uh, where, a, where a child, and it has to be a child of, of the person in the facility, well, that eventually goes to the facility, is living mm-hmm. with the applicant for two years. And if you get a medical doctor to say that uh, that this child has cared for their parent for two years, and but for the care of this child, the, the parent would have had to go to a facility. You can actually transfer the house via deed to the uh, the, the child mm-hmm. under the caregiver's exception without incurring a, a gifting penalty. Right. Uh, obviously, it's not terribly efficient for for tax purposes for capital gains, but once again, it's better than you know losing the house or incurring a gifting penalty. Um, so that's something to, to handle as well. There's also an exception. For, so, for instance, of transfers to disabled children, if that's someone. So, hypothetically, if if mom or dad has a disabled child who lives with them, and they have, the mom or dad has to go to a facility. There's, you know, we're not kicking the disabled child out of the house. I mean, they can they can most likely own it, and we could even deal with a special needs issue that way. Well, how about the wives or or husbands, the spouse that's sure. not in? Okay, so let's say you've got a quarter of a million bucks yep. saved up. Um, for your retirement, and one of uh, the let's say the the husband goes into a, a long care uh, facility, and it's two years have passed. He's still there. He's he's still alive, and you've eaten up. The money could then be gone. 
And yep. what's the spouse supposed to do who's still at home living in, in that home? And now there's no money? Well, that, that's that's a great question, and it's a little a little bit more of a deep answer. But yeah. uh, what I'll do is I'll go over the surface with you. Um, long story short, there are protections in the law for spousal impoverishment when it comes to income and when it comes to assets. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is this: in a spousal situation where a one spouse is living in the community in the house and one spouse is in the institution, which is the legal term for it, the institutionalized spouse. Um, we can protect with our strategy currently at law 100% of the assets of the family for the community spouse. But they have to come to you first. Yeah, that's the thing. I yeah. mean, if they start paying $12,000 a month to the facility and that's the advice that they've received from the facility, mm-hmm. uh, that's, in my opinion, that's just not a good advocacy right. uh, because I can protect 100% of the assets using certain strategies that are available at law. In a situation where we have a single person, like so hypothetically, um, you know, mom or dad are divorced or one one spouse has passed away and we just have, you know, one person to go to a facility, mm-hmm. generally speaking, um, we can protect around 50 to 60 percent of the assets of that person. We can't protect everything, unfortunately, in a non-spousal situation, but at least, you know, at least there's options. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway that I really want the listeners to, to hear today is – there's always more to the story than what you potentially are getting. We give an hour free consultation with this type of stuff, and it's it's pretty in depth as as you can ina- imagine with the math and everything else like that, with numbers that change. And every family is different because every family has different types of assets, right? Um, and there's options, uh, and most people just don't know their options, so that they're forced to you know basically impoverish their loved one and do the minimum. Whereas you know we can, I, I had a guy come in last week, and I, I say I hate to tell you this, but I literally could have sheltered $250,000 that you spend in the facility and your wife would have had the same care. Mm. Um, and he, you know, he, he's like, man, I really wish I would have found you earlier. And, and I, that's kind of the theme, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, I do want to address another, another misnomer or misconception. And this is probably one of the biggest misconceptions that exists. Let's talk about the level of care. Most people think if you are on Medicaid or on a government benefit, you receive a substandard level of care from a medical perspective, and that is just entirely false. Okay. The nurses that work or the, the aides that work in the facilities have no idea who's on Medicaid and who's not. There's no nothing in the chart. They're, they don't have special right. flags outside the doors of the room. They're, they're legally not even allowed to – Determine yeah, HIPAA, that. HIPAA laws and all that, yeah, among other things, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they just can't they they can't differentiate that level. There's, I mean, a ton of legal issues with that. So the misnomer is is that you know, well, you know, if I if I'm on a government benefit, I'm going to get the worst of the worst of the worst of care. That's just completely untrue. So much so that I actually have we have at our law office a geriatric care consultant. Her name is Nancy, and she's awesome. She's been doing this for twenty some years. And, I mean, she will actually even go and work with a family on placement issues mm. um, with facilities and stuff like that. You know, so that's the biggest misnomer is that the only people that know in the facility who's on Medicaid who's not are, frankly, the billing office. Okay. And that's in a different <laughs> different realm than the nurses. And they're not allowed to talk about it with they shouldn't. staff. Yeah. With staff Correct. Really. Yep. Uh, okay, very good point to know. Again, if you joined us uh, just in midstream here, uh, we're talking with Jay Hagerman of Abernethy and Hagerman LLC. Uh, the the website is a dash h dot law. That's a dash h dot law. Phone number four one two four eight six 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 two four. 
So, Jay, we're just a couple of minutes away from the end of the program, and in that time, uh, we can uh, pick up all of these, because I know there are more things to talk about in this subject uh, coming up uh, in a future program. But let's uh, stop there as far as going to new points, and just give us an overview of what we've been talking about today and, and the points you want to make. Yeah. So basically, let's let's just, you know, if I could do a checklist. The mm-hmm. first thing is, if you have the ability to to plan while you're healthy, there's no time better than now just to even start thinking about it. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're all going to we're all going to get there one way or the other, right? Yep. We're all going to get sick and I, I hate to tell you we're all going to die, but it's just reality. So why don't we plan for it? That way we're not stuck with a situation with the government's plan or in a bad situation that could even put our family potentially in jeopardy. Um the other thing is it's never too late to plan. Um and also you don't want to do it on your own. Um, you don't want to use the internet. You don't want to go on one of those search engines and you get 37 different pieces of advice. You don't want to go to the local grocery store or barbershop and listen to someone saying, well, I heard this, this, and this. That's just not, that's just not effective. And you certainly, you want to have your own independent advocate. And, and that's our law firm. Yeah. Um, we handle that all the time and, uh, we lo- we would love to be your, your independent advocate because if you rely on, um, advice from somebody else, uh, you know, they're not your advocate. Um, and I think an important point is, because uh, I know you, Jay, and Jay is not saying this because he doesn't want you going on the Internet to save money and not go to his law firm. It's not about that because right. you're going to get yourself in trouble if you go in that route. You're not going to get what you need. And every state is different. Yep. It's all, uh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's so many pitfalls you need somebody like Abernethy and Hagerman, your own advocate. Right. And that, and that's and talking about the, the fee structure, Gary, it's very simple. We sit down with a family for typically takes about an hour for free. Mm-hmm. That's on us. At the end of the day, if you, you know, we were very clear about what we can do, what strategy we would employ and, and how we would go about it and what it costs. Every strategy is different. Sometimes there's much more complicated stuff due sure. to taxation and sometimes there's, there's more simple stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're very upfront about that. But just, just to, to have a, a, a conversation. You don't have an anything hour. to lose. Yeah, nothing to lose. Just an hour. Yeah. And we've all spent, we've all spent more time on, on, on less important stuff. Well, and there's <laughs> nothing more important than this. So we encourage you to make the call, go online. You can check them out online and find information on the website, uh, a-h.law, phone number 412-486-6624, and it is Abernethy and Hagerman, and uh, you're in the North Hills. Yes, North Hills of Allegheny County, and uh, we you know we go all over if we have to. Okay. Jay, thanks for your time. Uh, we appreciate all the great information and looking forward to continuing this conversation. Sounds good, Gary. Thanks. You've been listening to Bisberg. Our program is sponsored by Abernethy and Hagerman, LLC. We'll see you next time.